We're in 1 John chapter 3. I'm actually going to backtrack into uh, 1 John chapter 2. You remember I, I've shared with you that the, uh, the chapter and verse divisions, they're, they're not inspired. They're extremely helpful. I'm glad they're there. But at times, I think, I think perhaps they could have been realigned a little bit differently. Um, again, this isn't a hill to die on. But uh, I, I, we, as, as we began last week, we're looking at this passage be, uh, the beginning in, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 28 through 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And, and that's, that's kind of a little, a little section kind of unto itself. And, and we looked at last week, we talked about what it meant to be born of God. And, and even uh, what it meant to be born again, what it meant to be saved, and, 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 and these proofs of abiding, uh, if we abide in him, uh, that we will, we, will, um, uh, we will show that we are born of God. And so uh, with that, uh, let's go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and read to you, uh, beginning in verse 28 of chapter 2, uh, all the way through uh, verse 3 of chapter 3. But actually, then I'm going to backtrack, and I'm only going to I'm only going to really talk about one verse this morning, because I think this is this is such a full full passage. And now, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in Him, and that when He appears, He may have confidence, or we may have confidence, and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Father, we ask that you speak to our hearts this morning as we look into your word. Lord, give us understanding. Give us illumination from your Holy Spirit. We pray, Lord, that you would fill us that we might hear. We pray, Lord, that you would fill me that you might Help me to, to uh, discern what areas to really emphasize and maybe what areas maybe not so much emphasis this morning. Lord, I pray you speak through me. We thank you, Lord, for, again, for protecting us. We pray for those that are out and that are ill or those that are away and pray for a safe trip home for them and, and just a recovery for those who are, are still ill. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. So, um, I want to look at verse 1 of chapter 3. We looked at verses 28 and 29 last week and, and really touched on that. And, and actually, as, as I'm thinking, I'm not really going to cover the entire verse because there is so much in what John is talking about, where it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And, and I believe that uh, the, the Christian Standard Bible 
uh, says, and so we are. And I believe the NIV touches that as well. It says, and so we are, that we are children of God. And the, the New American Standard says that as well. Because, uh, they're, they're, they're taken from, from different manuscripts. And, and uh, these older manuscripts uh, kind of underscore this idea that, that we are children of God. And behold, what manner that the love uh, that the Father has upon us that he would make us his children. And so that we are. And, and so I think at times we forget who we belong to. I think at times each and every one of us forget who we belong to. And uh, Paul wrote to the Corinthians that we have been bought, we have been paid for with a price. The price being, of course, the precious blood of Jesus. And, and so because of that, we are to glorify God in our, with our bodies. And, and um, we are not, we don't own ourselves. We, we, are, we are not uh, the keepers of our own souls. We have given our lives to Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are called to submit to him. And, and, and so what we have here is this incredible exclamation. I, I can imagine uh, in my mind, John was almost giddy when he was writing this. Behold. What does the word behold mean? I think it's, it's interesting because... Uh, it, it basically is an attention getter. It's saying, pay attention here. Or, or check this out. Right? That would be, that would be um, uh, a paraphrase. Right? A para- that's, that's not a translation. Now, check this out. Check this out. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us? And then, of course, then he tells you what manner of love that is. That is being his children, which I'll get into in just a second. So, he's reminding them of this wondrous nature of God's love that he has for each and every one who has received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, God so loved the world, and God loves the world. But we're called to make a commitment to him. And when we make that commitment to him, he, he, it's as if he has this, this um, the way John is almost describing it here is that he has this, this special type of love for us. Now, now, let me ask you this, and don't answer. Well, you can answer in your own head. Um, can God love you more than he loves you right now? I'm with Clay. Clay said no. No, he can't. Now, I think there are varying degrees that, uh, that we can experience that love, right? And to use an old Pentecostal saying that I actually love, to be under the spout where the glory comes out, right? If, the, if, if, you, if you're not in a place where you can receive God's blessing because of sin in your life, or, or usually it's just because of sin in your life, then, then you're not receiving the fullness of his love, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't love you completely, totally, uh, 100%. I used to like to say to my old church, God loves you more than you do. And I know some of you really love yourselves, right? Of course, I said that to my old church, right? But God loves you more than you do. God loves you more than your grandkids love you. Those of you who have grandkids, especially when they were little, 
Of course, once they get older, they could care less about you, right? But it's, you know, it, it is what it is. But, uh, but, but behold, pay attention what manner of love. This, this word manner, it, 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 in the Greek, uh, it implies this idea of astonishment. That's why I said that as I'm, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking that John is almost giddy in writing this and the words that he's using. He, he says, when he, when he says, what manner, he's talking about how astonished he is that God loves him the way he do, does. Now, I'm surprised that God loves any of us. The response, your reactions are very, yeah, you have very different, I love the reactions here because they're all over the map, you know. But uh, I'm surprised that God loves any of us. And, and I am so glad that God is not like me. I bet you're glad that God is not like me. But I'm also glad that God is not like you. And, and, and God does not love conditionally. I think God blesses conditionally. There's a difference. Because if you are a child of God and you were out there and living in sin and doing whatever it is that you want to do, why and how should you expect God's blessing? Now, I think at times you get it anyway because God is a what? Starts with a G. Like we're doing, what's that? Anyway, turn the letters. God is a gracious God, right? He is a gracious God. And he blesses anyway. And, And... I'm sure we've all had those situations where we see people and, and it's like, why is God blessing them? Of course, there's that, that, that verse that says that if, if, if God finally chastises your enemy and you see God chastising your enemy and you rejoice over it, he'll stop doing it, by the way. So don't rejoice when your enemy is being chastised because God will stop. And I've had to apply that in my life a few times. It's like, I'm not happy about this, right? I've told you this, Right? But what manner, I, this, this word implies this idea of astonishment, but also this word implies this idea of admiration. John is totally in love with God because he is astonished and he admires the intensity of the love that he is experiencing from God. Does that make sense? So there, what's going on here is this reciprocal love that's flowing out of the heart of John because he is, he is thinking about, no doubt he's being moved upon by the Holy Spirit as he writes this, but he's thinking about what it is and how it is that God actually loves him. So when you have those days that you think that God doesn't love you, and if you are a normal person, you probably do, right? This is where you need to turn to receive some encouragement, this idea of astonishment, this idea of admiration, this idea that when John thinks about how much God loves him, it stirs in him this wonder. It stirs in him this awe. It stirs in him this astonishment of who God is. Because, you know, God makes the heavens and the earth. He makes the heavens and the earth, which to me is an incredible feat, all right? I I, I never can get past creation. I don't think I ever should get past creation, to be honest with you. And I'm just astonished with with the fact that God made all of this for us. He could have put you in a cube or a test tube. But he made all of this for us to experience. And, And I just, I love it where he puts Adam in the garden. And he gives Adam what? Dominion. Of course, he blew it, right? 
but but the God who created the universe and, and how do you how do you create a universe anyway? How do you create a universe? I mean, how does the human body even work? None of that just it, it baffles my mind. But that incredibly wise and creative God loves you. Loves you beyond your understanding of what true and pure love really is. And in those times when you feel like he doesn't, and like I said, if you're normal, I think you go through those times from time to time. Or you feel like God is getting a little forgetful. You ever felt like God is forgetful? Or do you ever feel like God is hard of hearing? I've been praying, 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 praying. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you have been praying for stuff for years that hasn't been answered? I've been praying for stuff for years that hasn't been answered. Does, is it discouraging? Sometimes. Sometimes. And yet in that Fellowship with God. Now you think about prayer. Prayer is really fellowshipping with God. And by the way, I, I know where I'm going here, but I'm, I'm going to finish this. Prayer is as much listening as it is talking. Prayer is as much listening, maybe more so. You know, I, lo- I love praying the Psalms. Praying the Psalms and sitting back and just listening for a while and see what God has to say to me about them. And, and in that, that, that spiritual exercise, that spiritual discipline, uh, God calls us close to him. God calls us into communion with him. And, and, yet, and, and so we're called to be obedient to do these things. And yet, at the same time, they can be discouraging because sometimes our prayers are not answered. At least we don't see them answered or maybe they haven't been answered yet. And when I encounter those situations and some of that spiritual warfare right you got satan whispering in your ear telling you things that are not true about god these are the passages that you go to for strength because john is in wonder john is in awe john is just in amazement that god would actually love him and love us Notice it's the pronoun is us. It's not you. It's not uh, me. It's us. So he includes himself in, in this. The manner of love that God has bestowed on us. Now, the, the interesting thing about here, this idea, be, behold, I, I, I skipped over this. It's an imperative. What's an imperative? You guys know this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing Greek, I'm doing Greek uh, uh, grammar with some of you, right? Whether you want it or not. An imperative is what? It's a command. So that word behold, that word pay attention, that word, paraphrase, check it out. It's not optional. It's not optional. It, it causes us, it calls us to direct our attention and to reflect upon the amazing love that God has for us. Even if you don't feel it even if you don't sense it. Because there are there times that I don't sense 
God's love? Yes, there are times that I do not sense God's love. So I have to go back and, and declare to myself what God has already said about me. And again, these are some of those anchor points in the scriptures that we go to. Because it, it and there are times I don't even feel saved, Right? It's like, wow, am I a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Wait a minute. I don't feel, you know, or, or, I, don't, or I don't feel really holy at times. Do you ever get, go through those head trips? Again, that's some of that spiritual warfare. But I thank God that he has declared in his word these things for us because they become the means to carry us through those dark nights of the soul when you don't feel it when you can't sense it, when you feel like God is a million miles away. And if you've never had that experience, we'll hang in there because it'll happen. And, and things happen in your life and you question. And, 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 and you know, you know I, I get the question, why do good things happen to bad people? But sometimes you ask the question, why do bad things happen to me? I'm not that bad, Right? And, of course, the common grace that James talks about where the sun uh, rises, it shines upon the, and the rain falls upon both the evil and on the good. And, and so John is reveling in this astonishment. And we're called, the imperative, behold, we're called to revel in this astonishment, even in those times, probably particularly in those times when we do not feel like it. Because this, was, this is what carries you through. To behold, what manner, astonishment of love the Father has bestowed upon us. This word bestowed is it, it, I, it's an interesting word because it's an expression of generosity. It's an expression of generosity. Now, it's also in the perfect tense. Go back to Greek grammar again, right? Perfect tense is, it, 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 uh, the emphasis is, a perfect tense is something that happened in the past. But the emphasis is not on what happened, but the emphasis is upon the results of what took place in the past. As an example, Phil comes in this morning. The first thing he, well, one of the first things he did was he set the thermostat. It is comfortable, well, it is comfortable in here for some of us because when Phil came in about two hours ago or however long he came in, probably about four hours ago, anyway, when he came in, he set the thermostat. That would be an example of the, when we talk about how comfortable or how cold, for you, Daniel, how comfortable or how cold this room is, that would be an example of the perfect tense. He did it a couple hours ago. We're experiencing it right now. Okay? Bestowed. Jesus Christ did it for you and for me 2,000 years ago. He died for us. He demonstrated his love that while we're yet sinners, Christ dies for us, and we are experiencing that love, that, uh, the results of that act of love today in the here and now. So this idea of the love that the Father bestowed, he gave it to us at the cross. 
He gave it to us when we were born, I believe, because he orders our steps. He gave, us, gave it to us when we received Christ, and he gives it to us day and day and day and day in and day out. Something he did that has results in our present life this very moment. The love that the Father has bestowed upon us. Well, what is that love? Of course, we read this, right? What does that love look like? Right? Because I, I love a lot of things. I'm sure you guys love a lot of things. And, of course, we use love in, in various different terms. And I, 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 uh, I love my dog. I love my house. I love my motorcycle. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love my motorcycle. Um, I love my cars. I love my friends, right? But there's something about family love. This is, this is difficult for some of us. I understand this. But there's something about family love. Because not only does God love you as a friend, he loves you as his child. He brings you into the family. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I'm blind, but now I was blind, but now I see. In other words, I once was lost, but now I am found. We were those lost souls out there that God brought us in, and he brought us into the family. I love what one of my professors uh, said years ago. He said, he said, I believe that the bulk of the Bible is really all about God gathering for himself a family. And, and we are his children. Now the thing is, and I, I've used this example before, but like with my kids, but particularly like with my grandkids, um, when they come over, they don't knock. They, they, they just walk right in. And we do what? We receive them. Now, I, don't, I knock on their door, <laughs> believe it or not. I do. I knock when I go to my, my kid's house. My grandkids, though, when they come over, they just walk right in, and they're so excited to see my wife, of course. <laughs> now, I have people from time to time that just, they have a ten, well, Now, we have a, we have a doorbell now. Uh, it's about 60 pounds, and it's got kind of red hair and four paws, and so when you pull up, we know it. Because um, we don't, have, we we didn't have a doorbell. I don't know why they didn't put a doorbell in our house, but they didn't anyway. But some people, there are certain people they they and it's, um, they just walk in anyway, and it's it always feels weird to me. Um, and if I just walked into your house, I may try it sometime just to see where we're at afterwards, you know. But I would feel weird about walking into your house. And 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 although. If you did, I would be like, hey, how's it going? I would receive you and everything would be fine. But, but, but the thing is, is that when we are children, we have a little bit easier and closer access. Now, particularly if somebody walking down the street who I did not know decided to come into the house. I have a couple friends that I might introduce that person too. Um, you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay. But uh, 
I'm being recorded, so I don't want to say it. But anyway, um, yeah, but as, as children, we have access. And, and boy, I don't have the time to really cover all of it, but there was so much that the Bible talks about us being God's children, that he has chosen us to be his family. Um, and one of the, one of the best passages I, I love about uh, this, this concept is also found in the book of John, John chapter 1. Somewhere around verse 12. No, uh, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. um, Chapter 1. Verse 12. I may back up some uh, fills. Let me look at it real quick. This always has to be read in the context beginning in verse 1. We're not going to do that this morning. Uh, this, this, is, this is like the gospel and then some here in, in the first. It's one of my favorite passages. But in verse 12, um, well, 11, 10, okay. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. See, that'll tie into what we're going to look at a little bit next week. Because we're not going to get into the second half of this verse this morning. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, John is already setting up the reader here in chapter 1 of the gospel for chapter 3 of the gospel when he tells Nicodemus that you must be born again and must be born from above, must be born from the Spirit. And, and, and so what I, what the important thing to really, among other things, to draw out of this particular passage here in, in the first uh, chapter of the gospel of John is this idea of we receive him. Um, and, and, and so it, it's, it's this incredible privilege that we have becoming God's children because we have received him. Now, that word, now I've, I've used it earlier, didn't I, when I talked about the, when the grandkids come in or you come into my house and I would receive you, all right? The Greek is a little different which, which is translated this word receive. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit more personal. It means to take on oneself or to receive into oneself. That's what this word tr- uh, translated received in, in uh, John 1, 12 uh, means. It, so it, it means that you personalize something and that you internalize something. Now think about that in the context of what, what it says in John 1, 12. As many as received Jesus. As many as received or internalized Jesus. As many as has received him as Lord and Savior. That's what it's saying here. And then because of that, uh, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. 
So to be a true child of God, one has to be born again of the Spirit. One has to internalize Jesus to receive him as Lord and Savior. To take one into oneself. Or it means to accept. Um, Or it it, it refers to this idea of fashioning uh, one's own spiritual personality or in the acceptance uh, to the claim of another. That the, uh, let me say that again. Um, this idea of fashioning one's own spiritual personality and acceptance to the claim of another. Who is that claim of another? That claim is Jesus in the context of this sentence. So we, we will fashion our spiritual lives, our spiritual character based upon the acceptance of Jesus claims about himself. Which is a really tall order when you go to Luke 9 and it says, if any man come after me, let him deny, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and what? Follow me. The calling of discipleship is a calling to take up your cross. So, from the human point of view, we receive Christ. That is, we believe in him. And because we receive him, because we believe in him, we are are children of God. But if you look at it from the divine point of view, and I'm just barely going to touch on this, but I know the Presbyterians will love this part. Uh, If you look on this from the divine point of view, these children have been born of God. Or they have been adopted by God. And, and we, again, as I referred to it earlier, in, in John chapter 3, this idea of being born again from above. And even in what, what we see here in John chapter 1, that we are, we are uh, in verse 13, we're, we are born not of flesh, not of the will of the flesh, not of blood, nor the will of man, but of God. So we are born in the will of God. So you have this, this description here of I must make a decision for Jesus Christ, but the reality is he has done the work of the new birth in me. They appear to conflict. They are really like, and I love this illustration because they are like two, two rails on a train track that run uh, completely parallel to each other, that they stay the proper distance apart from each other. They don't intersect. They don't get too far apart. Because if any of that happens, then what happens to the train? It derails. So what John is really talking about here in this first chapter is our responsibility to receive him, but it is a work of the Holy Spirit. It is a work of God that we are born again. And as we receive him, then we become his children. And my opinion, and again... Boy, I'm opening up. A, I'm going to open up a can of worms, but I'm almost done, so I'll just leave it at that. My opinion is, once he's brought you into the family, he doesn't kick you out. That you're his. I've even told God, it's like at times, God, you are stuck with me. <laughs> I'm never stuck with God, but God is stuck with God. Not only has God stuck with me, but He is stuck with me. That's amazing love, isn't it? 
One more and then we'll finish. Ephesians chapter 1. Right around verse 5. Got to go to verse 3. I'm sorry. It's an incredible blessing. We don't want to miss it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because you are his child, he blesses you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice it said heavenly, not earthly. I'll just let that, I'll let you ponder that. We're almost out of time. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us, predetermined to adoption as sons or daughters. Okay, you're both, ladies, you're included here. All right. As children, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. You're chosen before the foundation of the world. You were predetermined to be his child. Yes, we have to receive him. Again, you have this incredible tension that I don't even want to resolve anymore. We have free will. God has his free will also. I just go back to places like 1 John chapter 3 and say, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. And ask God to show me more of him. Show me more of him so that I might even increase in my sense of awe, my sense of wonder, my sense of astonishment, knowing that I have been born of the Spirit, know that I was, pre, uh, I was uh, predestined to be adopted as a son by Jesus Christ or, th- or in Jesus Christ or by Jesus Christ to himself. We don't have to figure out all the theological pretzels that are apparent contradictions. They're not contradictions to God. They, they just appear that way to us. But let's revel. Let's celebrate the greatness of who he is. The wonder of who he is. The awe of who he is. Boy, I'm almost ready to preach another sermon from that. I'm thinking of of Moses. I'm just getting started here, but we're going to quit. But I'm thinking of Moses when when Moses comes down from Sinai and and, 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 and he he finally says to God, God, show me, chapter 33, I believe, of Exodus. Show me what? Remember this? Show me your glory. Show me your glory. I'd rather see the glory of God than to be a theologian about God. I've gone to a couple seminaries also. You know that. But to revel in this incredible, astonishing love that he has for each one of us, that he would make us his children. Therefore, we are family. That's what God does for you.
That's how God loves you. So, Father, we thank you for the greatness of who you are. Or we recognize even the goal of your predestination of us is divine childhood in you. We thank you that you have called us, that we have received you. We'd ask, Lord, too, that by your grace that we would continue to receive you even more, that we would take even more of you into ourselves. That you would help us, Lord, to appreciate, understand, to revel in your greatness, your wonder. Lord, help us to always be awed by you. Help us to never grow cold and hard and calloused. Because you truly are the God of wonders beyond our galaxy, and you are holy. We ask, Lord, that you would bless your word to our heart this morning, that you would be with us as we go through our week. We thank you for Steve coming and visiting and being a part of us this morning. We pray that you'd bless him, his family, his wife, and his ministry with the association. We'd ask that you would continue to do work in us and through us for your great name's sake, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you guys.